Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I say another as if this has been weekly like it's meant to. Uh, we are back because the two leagues that we choose to talk about are back. Um, and as always, I'm joined by Mark Schofield. Mark, how are you doing? It's all good, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, you say it's probably the opposite. You do more than I do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so wanted to start this episode on i didn't want to but we feel like we should start this episode on the sad news of the passing of marie Trezeder, ex australian and gb men's head coach uh paralympic medalist winner um he in his later years was involved in the australian women's program on some sort of i believe it was coach mentorship type stuff but yeah, I just found out of his passing not long before we came on here and yeah, I just wanted to send our thoughts and um and so on to his family and yeah, obviously anyone who has been coached by him or been around him has a hundred stories. That's kind of why we ask people who come on here who we know have sort of been around him to tell a story because he was a he was a good man. Um uh, mad as a basketball coach obviously but um i think it says a lot about him that he put everyone through the ringer um but still most of the athletes that have sort of trained under him and played under him have good things to say about him and um cared about the right stuff and was a good guy um but yeah everyone who's been coached by him has come on here and told a funny story about this time that he um, made people push for X, Y, and Z thing or um, or some funny thing he said or some mad punishment that players had to do for missing layups or some sort of on-court thing that he thought uh, was worthy of, I don't know, two-mile uphill pushes or an hour full of up and backs. But yeah, I think it says a lot that you can as a coach, you can put people through that sort of stuff to sort of help them learn about sort of going through pain to get better and um, sort of being made of the the right stuff. And you can still kind of come out the other end with guys having a lot of good stuff to say about about you. I personally, obviously, so he invited me to men's senior camps when I was about 14. I certainly wasn't ready. I probably wasn't ready when I was 24, never mind 14, but um he was great for sort of widening the squad and bringing young guys in and just me being from belfast as well like it was big on bringing guys in who weren't really the typical sort of 12 to 16 guys that would have been in the squads and he had younger guys and guys from all over the place in i remember first camps i was at there was 30 people at because he wanted to give everyone a shot and he wanted to sort of widen the pool and he certainly had that effect and that effect has been lasting on the program. And yeah, I'd say there's a whole lot of people in the program that would tell you that they owe him a good bit. And there's probably some people who don't even know what they owe him. So yeah, just sending our thoughts and prayers to his family and any ex players, colleagues who are sort of feeling his loss. So yeah, rest in peace, Mary Trezeder, one of the, one of the legends of our sport, one of the characters. Um, 
yeah, yeah. I, th- I think um that last point you made is interesting there'll be people who don't know what they owe him but I mean, if you look at like the the men's squad as it is constituted now, I think there's probably only, by my count, three guys who will have played under him at a tournament, um, which be Terry, Abdi, and Harry, as far as I can tell. Um, there's obviously other guys who were like in the early days of camps, like you were, and you know Phil and whoever else. Um, but yeah, a lot of the GB men from that era, um, outside of. <laughs> being militant on a particular Facebook group that a bunch of people will know about. Um, yeah, a bunch of those guys just aren't really involved anymore. Um, John Hall, Johnny Pollock, Ian Sagar, Simon Munn, kind of that generation of guys aren't having a lot of active input. So, um, yeah, there is real chance that, you know, the stuff that was learned from Murray, both, you know, for the right and wrong reasons, um, as people might remember the punishments they were put through and whatever, there's a decent chance that stuff fades out and, you know, maybe in an era where coaches don't get to be dictators to the extent maybe they did at one point, people will say it's for the best, but I think there's definitely valuable stuff to be learned and remembered. So if you're around the guys who are around Murray at any point, seek out the stories and do what you will with them because lessons to be learned. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, rest in peace, Murray Dresider. And yeah, there's no real, we're not good at transitions as it is, but there's no real way to move on from this apart from just moving on. So we're going to talk about some basketball because that's what we're here to do. Um, Yeah, so we're going to run through the Spanish League, which has just started and move over to the German League. And yeah, it's good to be back. Mark, Mark, is it good to be back? Uh, well, did you did you look at the fact that there were fifteen games or whatever? Uh, well, there weren't. I was thinking about it, and at points, both our wives and probably some of our listeners have assumed our relationship to be something more than friends. And this has just made me think: if we look how infrequently we're able to get episodes out over the summer, and now. You know, we've expected at least one episode a week, if not, you know, guest spots here and there. I think it puts to rest once and for all the theory that any kind of extramarital affair is going on between us because we have neither the time nor the organization. And it's taken literally weeks for me to be like, okay, Gabby's going to be out of the house at this time and she's taking Delilah with her and she was meant to take the dogs, but as people can't, can probably hear at this point, also is downstairs. Um, and you're at, staying away every other weekend and would be the only extramarital affair couple to ever not be able to use that to our advantage and this thing is just a nightmare match <laughs> get these together is like how the hell are we going to do this but I, yeah. I can't believe you talked about how difficult it is for us to schedule a podcast through the prism of us having an extramarital affair well that it, it should put people's minds at ease if we can't find <laughs> if we can't find one hour a week to, <laughs> to get on to get on Zoom, there would, you know. I I hate this. Uh, should we talk about some basketball? Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so first game of the week we're going to go through is Mediba Extreme Weather 64 at Connie Grand Canaria, 79. Um, are teams just going to go to 80 now? Like, is that a thing? Like, it's kind of been well, creeping up there. I've enjoyed watching the first week of games. I know this wasn't the true first week of games because there was the Super Cup thing in the Super Cup, which people probably think that I just didn't want to talk about, but uh, we'll get to it. 
because you know I can't <laughs> avoid talking about Alunion beating us because they did it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I liked um, I liked watching this week's games through an extremely simple prism of who can we claim reasonably won the off season. And the answer as of the first couple of games was Gran Canaria because Katie Dandeneau rocked up to yet another island destination and dropped 34 points in her first game. Oh, yes. <laughs> like she was putting up numbers in Portosaurus last year, but half of their games were against nobodies. So I think this was like if if there needed to be one, which I'm not convinced they did, this was this was a oh yeah, I'm here for the fight game if ever there was one. Oh yeah, unbelievable. And it was I don't know, like I feel like I don't know if I messaged you about this. I think I was going to, and then I wondered if I decided to save it for this, but I feel like I knew she had 34 by the time I watched the game, and I also had no idea. Like a quarter and a half in, I was like, when do the 34 points happen? So it's not like it was spread out evenly either. It's just like some mad runs. It was like yeah. it felt I felt like it was loaded towards the end of the game. Yeah, it was. Um, which is funny because Mediva actually made their kind of last push to make it a respectable scoreline. They won the fourth quarter by nine points. So it was mm-hmm. 26-17 for Mediva in that stretch, which begs the question of where the hell that was all game. Um, but I, I think out of I didn't do a formal count. I was just kind of trying to tally it as the game was ticking on. But I think of Grand Canaria's thirty-three second half points. I think Katie had twenty-four. Was my count? Uh, I think she had ten at halftime or something approaching that. Yeah, feels like that. Yeah. It's like uh, even ten at ten and a half. Like if she averaged twenty a game. Obviously, yeah. that'd be great too. But it's just it, it it's it's fun going into a game knowing that someone went nuts and being like, okay, okay, where is it? Where Look is it? The... Yeah, um, Madiba pretty thin on the ground, um, talent wise. They've grabbed a couple of guys in. Uh, Enzo Trebuchet's come over, who's been at Mo for a long time. Carlos Ocasio, I think, sat out most of last season, if I remember rightly. Yeah, uh, he wasn't. He certainly wasn't in Spain. I think he was back home. I don't. And... I yeah, Madeira have got a couple of guys around John Hernandez, but Gran Canaria, I mean, they're rolling out that starting five with Alexi Ramone, who's back, uh, Jorge Salazar, and um, Raul Vega, who are kind of mainstays there at this point. And then Dandano and Basti Colbin is kind of the new signings. And then there are the new signings, Garrett Ostapchuk and Kozarini off the bench, along with a couple of local guys. Yeah, and, yeah they yeah. got... Big. I know they they've they've been big for the last couple of years. They certainly were when I was there, and it was playing to seventeen points. But like, man, they have well, got think, they have got some doing, size this year. I think they're doing that again, aren't they? Because Basti's still a junior. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. Like they, like everyone does. No, I don't remember. I don't know. We should have like a tally of games that teams actually just play to fourteen and a half. Like we don't. <laughs> no one does. You shouldn't. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um. You guys have obviously got Gran Canaria this week coming up. Um. Yeah. They the top kind of seven guys that will play minutes will give most. That obviously this isn't a great first trotting out to see you know measuring stick for them, but they're gonna give good teams a hard time. I would have thought. Um, oh, for sure. 
and you would be like, oh, maybe Danana doesn't go off like this against real teams. But then you also remember with a very weak Porta Torres team, she made the All Star five at the Champions Cup. Uh, oh yeah, well, she's gonna she's probably gonna go off no matter what. Like we played them in a couple of preseason friendlies, and she went nuts as well. Like she's just gonna make shots. I don't know if you're if you're a big four or five that can shoot. Like yeah. you're gonna go <laughs> unless you're the thing with Porta Torres is like I don't know. We played them last year and she probably had 30 and they had 42 but in in a real team filled with talent like this and also good role players yeah, yeah. he's gonna have some big games and so are they they're gonna be they're gonna be good this year i think there's a lot of teams we'll talk about some more there's a lot of teams in spain that are like maybe just below the top two teams top three teams um who are like pretty good and also massive and i think that helps kind of fill yeah. the gap sometimes the battle for the fourth spot is going to be like at least four teams deep if not more yeah sure um, um all right yeah. anything else from this game no madiba john Hernandez is um gonna have a hectic schedule of trying to carry things again but um they obviously lost salvador sandoval who we'll probably talk about in a little bit i'm sure um, we will it's um, not back this year by the looks of it. Um, I don't no. know if he might be a late arrival or if he's landed elsewhere, but yeah, thin on the ground for Maduba. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, the Parapans are coming up soon. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, if John has to, if John Hernandez has to go to that. Um, that could be that could be bad news for Maduba, but also uh, most teams have a couple of guys to lose for different yeah. parts of the season. But which is why it being a final four is interesting this year. But but anyway, right. Next game. Uh Amfiv Ibercon Ibercon Figo fifty-four. Amiab Albacetti sixty-nine. So no Lee Manning or uh Alejandro Zazuela for this one. And I thought Vigo looked quite good once again, like a team that looks quite good and is also just big top to bottom mostly. Um so Big for Amiab to kind of look pretty comfortable in the end with this. Obviously, it was pretty close for yeah. this two was, and a bit quarters, maybe, and this, then they pulled away. This, but winning a winning a game without Ali and Lee, who've kind of been the mainstay throughout a couple of different rotations of guys coming in and out of this team over the last five six years, obviously, that's that's no mean feat. Like I know they've still got more than enough talent to. Yeah. To win this game by 15, obviously, but I mean, they lost one game last year, like all of last year in the league, and it was the day Ali was missing. So um, it's yeah. it's it's not nothing that they were able to sort of win this by 15, but when Filipski has 37 and 16 rebounds, the, they're probably going to be fine. Filipski <laughs> offsetting their absence by pulling down realistically more rebounds than the two of them might have done combined. And also, <laughs> um, also just yeah. being shooting 70%. Like there's a thing of, oh no, we've we've lost a lot of our sort of interior punch. Um, so we're gonna need to compensate and just having a guy shoot 70% from two while not being on the charge circle like these guys would be typically is funny. Just shooting as well as your centers are meant to is is great. Yeah. <laughs> like, um yeah, I thought this was Vigo, obviously, only with five players for this one. They've got some other guys on the stat sheet who didn't play. I don't think Jason Betancourt was there. 
Um, they did have a couple of guys on the bench, which I assume are there. There are the names here. Um, yeah, quiet game for Agostino Alejos with nine points, one of which was a three-quarter court hook shot to bring it to within four points after three quarters. <laughs> and fa- favorite bit of that, all his team were like high-fiving and celebrating going into the break, and Filipski was late going into his own huddle because he like went to shake Agustin's hand. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah, I love that. Like, like I love that. so much. Vigo. <laughs> but um yeah obviously Vigo brought back Lewis Edwards who's been bouncing around Spain for a little bit now. Um this new kid Oscar Knight who I think is from down Plymouth way. Yeah um, he played for Plymouth last year. I don't know if he's actually from Plymouth yeah, itself, um, but Plymouth Fusion last year. Yeah, I saw him to the league. I saw his signing. I don't know anything about him. Um, hadn't been watching much Plymouth Fusion. Um, yeah, I saw his signing, and I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't admit to this, but I see like some of the younger British guys who head out and like join these teams because they were like, yeah, why not? And there was like a bunch of guys a few years back who were playing for like London Titans second team. And they're like, we'll go and play for Varese. And it's like, yeah, you guys are not <laughs> like, if you're not playing for the best team in, in like your own club in the UK, you're not ready to be anywhere else. Um, So I saw this guy and I was a little bit like, uh, is this somebody like jumping at the chance before they're ready? But he rolled out against Albacete and scored 18 points on 75% shooting. So I will I will eat that one and say he probably is ready <laughs> to be out here. And the lack of knowledge on him is much more a me problem than a him problem. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I think the more I've been away, obviously, and you not playing for a handful of years, now you kind of lose touch of who are the sort of next guys up and coming. And there have been people who've kind of come over to play abroad because of either necessity financially or just wanting the opportunity. And it's a real tough decision with some people, whether it's too early or not. And as I, I don't know, Oscar Knight at all, really as a person, um, but obviously fits right in. If you shoot 75% in a game like this against a good team. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, wel- welcome aboard. Also, do you see that everyone, Apparently didn't play 40 minutes, but they played 39 minutes and 60 yeah. seconds, according to the stats, Little which stash. is just terrible. Stash, I say that one of our podcasts on the Spotify listing is down as one hour and 60 minutes. So if Spotify aren't getting it right, then um, I'll give feeble live stats some um, some leeway. Also, yeah. we should never talk for two hours about wheelchair basketball. I don't think no. people care that much. But no. yeah, um, yeah, just on the AMIAB side of things, as I say, like, they're going to just be competing for absolutely everything this year again, even with guys missing. Um, but you just look at that lineup and it's still, everyone sort of compliments each other very well. You've got Filipski carrying a lot offensively. Phil just makes everyone better. Um, and you've got, it, it's cool to see like Ben being a sort of hybrid sort of inside out yeah, threat yeah. in this lineup is cool to see. And Alexa Ruiz being a pickup for the, three-pointer Spanish guy combo that they need from Alejandro. Um, He did a job and was plus 12. Um, And obviously, we're big Charlie Moore fans as a one-pointer in this league, doing doing all the stuff that she's meant to and doing it at a very high level. So it's like, yeah, once again, I know they're meant to beat a team like Vigo, but, you know, this, this 
missing two guys like this in a first game of the season could have been a trap and fair play to them for not falling into it, getting the job done quite convincingly. Shall we shift on? Yes. Okay, what's next? So we have got their back. Servius Burgos, 67, 63 gets half ABSR. Do you mean um, the stationary three bowl? Yes. Um, this um, is the most stationary threes I've seen shot in a wheelchair basketball game, perhaps ever. And um, Lorenzo Embo wasn't even a part of it, which was so much fun. This was so Burgos. great, and I'm so glad it was. <laughs> Burgos should have grabbed him. Um, so yeah, Burgos have we've not touched on this yet, although we mentioned Alexi Ruiz has moved on. Um, so for people who are not aware, the team formerly known as uh, Leganes and formerly formerly known as Las Rosas um, have disbanded for reasons that I'm not entirely clear on. Yeah, um, no idea. And they've had a couple of guys scatter to and from various corners of the Spanish league. So uh, Alexi Ruiz is now with Amiab, obviously. I think Matias Mendes at Valladolid is arrived now. Um, and we've got Christian Gomez and Yasmin Salis, who were a big part of what um, Leganes did last year. They are now with Burgos, and the Christian Gomez-Burgos thing was put together, presumably solely with the intention of entertaining me and nobody else. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dream come true. Yeah, this is... Um, so yeah, not only are Burgos back, they are undefeated, as I imagine they will remain all year. And yeah, this was... <laughs> To say this is two teams, I don't imagine anybody will be keeping too close of an eye on as the season goes on. This was a very entertaining game. Um, Flacco leading Burgos with 30 on 31 shots. And Hell yeah. Rodrigo Perez. Um, good to see him back in the league, actually, because he was getting like 40-odd points a year in the um, second Spanish league last year. But he has opted to move up a level and only get 31 points on 23 shots. Um, I I love that. Like just two, he, just two gunners, man. Like he this, looks this like all I want in a game. I've never seen him properly unleashed. Um, compared to like the he was was at Madiba for a bit, and then Malaga, I think. Yeah, do you remember the game a couple of years ago that we really should have lost against Malaga? Yes. Uh, yeah, he that game was only close because he shot a stationary three in like semi transition with less than a minute to go and made it. It was one of those where, like, I think I, I think someone made it. It might have been me that should have been there. It was one of those where it's like, yeah, I know he made it, but, like... It wouldn't wouldn't be like you to not be there for a stationary three to be made. You're normally all over it. Um, yeah, I'm normally several feet away trying not to get a whistle, but I really should have just gone for it. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the mathematics of filing when you're when you're up too <laughs> we'll um, get to it but yeah i thought rodriguez looks good enough to carry an offense against at least a middling team they've also got paco quiles at getafe this year who presumably felt the crunch a little bit with pincho ortega coming back to Ilunion and amadou coming back uh he still gets his junior points, so he didn't want to be on it i presume he didn't want to be on a team overly stocked with big threes and not be able to find minutes. Um, yeah, he's been around with Alunion, so I wonder if there's a deal there where he like trains with them and kind of splits his time and whatever. It's probably a good spot for the developing junior guy 
to still be in the door with a really good club and be training with them, but actually get game time. Like, I wonder if this is a thing that I would more be clubs will catch on to because I actually quite like the setup for him. Like, he's gone and played 40 minutes, basically, um, but also gets good training. I do like the setup, but I would be intrigued to know how Getafe feel about that. <laughs> being a Lunion's farm system like officially now as opposed to just unofficially as they have been for years. Um, oh yeah, I don't know. I wonder if the equivalent is not having Paco Giles having 22 and 40 minutes. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, maybe the alter and 15 boards. Yeah, <laughs> entirely. I mean, 18 boards. Sorry, yeah, if someone has 22 and 18, you're probably happy enough to have them around. But You'll take him as a rental if he's going to produce like that. Um yeah, I thought that the interesting thing with this one is uh, Burgos ended up winning this one in a very close game. Burgos were down nine with like four and a half minutes left, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially the turning point in the, in the game was nobody, Christian Gomez got inside far more than he ever has done because he normally just sits still and shoots mismatches or goes backwards and shoots mismatches. But um, Christian Gomez got un the basket and I don't remember the last time I saw one player get looked over by so many of his teammates who could have fed him the ball and it got to the point where he was plucking down offensive rebounds and just holding them above like multiple defenders with one hand in almost like a passive aggressive display of hey if you throw it to me I will just be able to hold it right here Um, and yeah he he had two huge putbacks with the I think one was um an and one and then one was just a straight put back. They also had a weird situation where he didn't get to line up for a free throw in time, so he had to wait behind the three-point line while uh what's the younger guy's name? Alejandro Garcia. Um he was shooting a free throw towards the end of the game and Gomez managed to steamroll his way in from the three-point line for a putback as <laughs> nobody boxed it out. That was a ridiculous. Um but yeah, no, I thought Burgos are obviously under the guidance of Matteo Ferriani now, who's the Canadian um, head coach. And yeah, if if anyone's going to come in and professionalize a team that's slightly limited for resources, you would like to think he would would give it give it a good go. But um, oh, yeah. yeah, I thought this was this certainly was um, compared to having to watch who were the bottom teams last year: Juventus and um, Ferrol, was it? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, no, like these teams kind of, well, certainly I knew this about Burgos, but it's like you're you're coming up from the league below and you've got six guys that have played in this league already rather than the usual come up, sign someone who's just gone down, like sign the best player on a team that's just got <laughs> relegated, plus your guys that have just come up and try and stick around. Maybe like it'll probably be these two scrapping it out to try and stick around anyway, but question is can you see one of these two teams making a game off any of the rest probably is well shall we transition that into our next game because let's talk about Viadolid. oh like... you're not doing this again are you <laughs> well <laughs> as soon as they give me reason not to i will deceive i will desist immediately well how about um... they're missing like six guys um no all right so um amivel reyes gutierrez malaga 75 via the lead, Fundacion Aliados, 51. Um, anything, well, big thing about this, obviously, Sandoval with 29. 
Um, I like the piss. Yeah, I don't know if that. I don't know if it was just like if I forgot that they played quick last year, but not quick. But like, it's a nice little consistent like get the ball down the floor. Everyone's kind of moving, and I think it helps the likes of Abdi and Kyle that they're kind of like rolling into pick and rolls in sort of semi transition. And yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Maybe 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 I'm wrong, but for some reason, just at one point, it was like, oh, these guys are kind of moving. Um, yeah, I didn't thought, feel like it as much last year, maybe, but new coaches and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I thought when we watched them really the last couple of years, um, and going back to Perez, who we obviously just talked about in the last game, was at Malaga two years ago, and they used to play lineups where it was like Cosarina, um, Jaime Esparza, and Perez. And then it's basically three bigs who want to shoot mismatches essentially um and they didn't have any real getting downhill or like breaking down the defense and then they brought abdi and kyle in at various points but neither of those guys is known as a dynamic ball handler you know it's not like you've brought in jose leap for example who we were just talking about um and yeah i think even at the point when they would go in that three big unit, I said, imagine if you swapped one of these guys out. I think the guy I picked was Dominic Mosler, which is maybe a slight luxury because like most teams would have he, he was at Landil at the time. He sure as hell wasn't ditching for Malaga. But um yeah, Sandoval's kind of that um makes something happen through sheer force of will. And I think they fed off that really well. Oh yeah. Um and him crashing kind of they dragged the defense so low and then Kyle and Abdi being able to trail into shots or like secondary actions was really key for them. Um, I do think they're going to miss Cosarinha in the long run, but they've got a couple of guys in um, this guy, Malat way who I don't know a huge amount about, but certainly looks the part physically. Mm -hmm. And they've got John McNamara, uh, who's I think is still to come over at this point. So they're not going to be, light on resources by any stretch of the imagination, but the story for Malaga the last few years has been, can they make this, you know, can the sum of the parts actually equal the parts themselves or, you know, even be greater than the sum of the parts, which I don't think has always been the case. Um, But good performance against admittedly a shorthanded team and it certainly looked like they had what they've been missing in this game, so Maybe we're on the roadmap. Sorry, I froze there at the end. Um, That's fine. We'll edit that. Um, no, no, it's it's. I think there was like a two second break. It's fine. I think I heard everything that you said, and then it froze, and then I'm not sure you actually added anything onto it. And I'm, I'm making this something that we need to edit at this point. But I think if I move on right now, it'll be any, fine. Have you got anything on Vitalid? Um, it's just a shame that they were obviously building towards something last year and then CJ's gone over to Hanover and Romo's out of there. I think he's just gone home. Um, he's gone back to the States anyway. I don't know if he's home, but, um, just a shame for those guys. Cause they got to that point where they were third, fourth at one point in the league. I know we had like, they were fourth in the league and we were third and we split the game. So they were sort of knocking on that door of taking that next step. And now they've kind of taken a step backwards. And I know they went to the Supercopa a week ago when they were missing like five guys. And I know 
they're still missing a handful of players, but well, Hadi Azar is the most important. Um Oh yeah, that changes everything, man. Like I mean, is he um can you replace the two four pointers who did most of your ball handling? Can you replace them with one guy? I would usually say no. However, if that guy is just coming off the All Star five at the World Championships, I think he would have a as reasonable of a case as anybody. Um Oh yeah, the heat that the, the the sort of heat that you need to put on him the second he comes over the halfway line with the ball in his hands really changes things for everyone else. But um, um yeah, right, like right. Yelmer got twenty two on pretty efficient numbers without getting a whole lot of help. So that'll yeah. probably open open stuff up for him as well. You would yeah. hope. Do you think he might get the belt? Uh it, it's kind of a bit at this point. I hope he gets the belt at some point. <laughs> Um, yeah, Vidalid obviously had his art to come over at some point. Um, Radi Dagerman, I assume, is going to show up at some stage. Uh, they signed him as well. Yeah. And yeah, that we can't really assess these guys until they've um, they've got a full squad because right now they're not built around anybody. They're, yeah, they're just you know they're the pieces who fit around you know uh, if you. If you were to rank their options in terms of shot creation, it would be Hadi Azar as like one AAA and then probably Dagamin as one B. So yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And it's also not just like you plug this guy in and add it on top of everyone else. It's like everyone else gets a little bump from heads being turned and being a bit more open. When you look at the way that Perez played off of Romo last year, I think he was really the key to how solid they were inside because he's not the biggest guy in the world but when you have a giant out there like Yelma and a second big who is getting relatively easy shots similar to like how Ben Fox gets a lot of layups when Lee Manning's the other big on the floor right because giants almost require double teaming at all times Um, there's a gravity to it yeah so yeah, I think Vidalid obviously not a great start uh, between the Supercoppa and this one, but there's reason for optimism and for me to not have to hammer on them every week, which I believe me when I say I will take only a slight amount of pleasure in doing. Great. Uh, and talking about um, things that happened in the Supercoppa, we're going to talk about Illunion beating us in Bilbao this week. Um, what, sorry? Following a comeback. Uh, yes, uh, although not as great a comeback this time. Um, right, so uh, below 65, Ale Union 68. Um, so we played them a week ago, obviously, in the semi-final of the Supercopa. We were 22 up at one point near the end of the third. Um, they bring it all the way back. And um, if you follow wheelchair basketball, even in the slightest, you will have seen that Terry made a stationary three with me kind of clawing at his foot plate uh, to win the game. So, yeah, I I, I told him I'd mention it. Uh, I told like, I yeah, I don't know. I do plenty of talking about games that we've won. So, yeah, it's only fair. So we completely fell apart. Uh, kind of sent Terry to the line about 15 times more than we should have. And... Yeah, obviously that big shot at the end is incredibly disappointing. Um, the fact that I 
it happened and I immediately was like, oh, cool. I'm going to be on his Instagram story once a month for the rest of my life. Nice. <laughs> uh, I told him as much as well. Uh, that was that was not great. But yeah, I probably could have made it a little harder for him. Uh, just didn't want to didn't want to file. Although if I filed him well enough, it would have only been two points rather than three. But yeah, um, that's a great question. Do you just blow his foot blade up as soon as he catches it in that scenario to save it embarrassment? Been, or been really smart, you could have got behind him and pushed him forward inside the three point line. And he stopped his chair. There was one point where he was rolling, and I was like, "Can I pull the chair out then?" Try and get him inside the three point line, but if I take a pullback and he just shoots an even more open three, oh, no. I look yeah. really oh, stupid. Following um, my example, if he pulls up to shoot one and you're busy scurrying around him like a dog looking for his toy, and he just shoots an open shot because you're trying to get behind him to push him forward, and he makes it, that's a terrible look. Yeah, um, it's funny because I was like, I don't feel like I'm that far away, and then I watched the video and I'm like, oh man, I really haven't bothered him at all here, but. Yeah, so that was incredibly disappointing. We didn't lose the game because he hits a stationary three in my face. We lose the game because we give up a 22-point lead. So we, um, oh yeah, also they went on to win the whole thing. So congrats, Alunion. Um, Super Cup of winners. And they, yeah, first first trophy they've won in a handful of years. Um, they've been there, thereabouts with everything for a very long time. So Wonder cool to see them Pincho Ortega era. Pardon? Undefeated in the Pincho Ortega era. Ah, uh, yeah, three from three. Um, I don't know how many friendlies they played, but yeah, um, three from three in games that mattered. Uh, two of them against us. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so we <laughs> played them again this week, and obviously wanted to learn from that and not give up such a big lead. And we lost the second half by twelve, and give and lost by three. Uh, with an incredibly efficient Terry Bywater again. Um, what was that, Terry? 12 from 15 overall, 11 from 12 from 2. Um, it's one of those, if you look at the stats, you go, ah, oh, there's not much you can do about that. But eh, we probably gave him a load of stuff that he's very comfortable with. So maybe maybe we can do something about it. I don't know when we play them next. But um, I was thinking about this the other day, and this would be a great time if we were sponsored by like BetterHelp or something equivalent with you know, one of these um, counseling websites or one of these therapy websites so that I could just do therapy every time that Terry hits a game winner over me or just buries us with a with a post up over a guard because, yeah, I feel like at this point it feels like the league is just going to do away with all the other fixtures and just have them beat us 22 times. Um, I would watch that. Oh, God, I think I'd get sick of it. Well, yeah, already pretty sick of it. <laughs> but yeah, man, they were they were great. Um, we were very good in parts and then kind of just didn't have enough to get it done. It's weird that one of these games went to 84 points and this one didn't even scratch 70. But I think it's probably symptom of the fact that when you play a team, you probably a lot of your thought goes into how do you stop them the next time rather than how do you score against them better, especially if you go to... 80 something so we probably both went away and figured each other out defensively a little bit and it showed but they just had enough to put us away in the last stretch like if you look at last couple of minutes our quality of shot was all right um there's a couple of heroics from pat um and then 
they're just getting pretty good looks all the time. Greg is a wide open shot from the elbow. Terry puts a shot from the right wing away pretty wide open. And yeah, that's the difference when you come down to come down the stretch like that. You've got two guys that are killers and we kind of gave them looks that were a little too easy. Yeah. Well, that's um, my read on it as well. I don't know. We're we're pretty close, but just couldn't yeah. quite get it done. I thought it was interesting because you guys were up by what nine after the first half. Um and obviously we've kind of you chucked a reference in there. We've not formally talked about it on the podcast, but the big news for Bilbao is that Patrick Anderson is at least a part-time player for you guys currently. Um so he I think you said it, is it right? He's played the Super Cup and then the opening game of the season and you're now going to be without him for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think um, if you look at that first half, Pat's out there with the two midpoint bigs um, in Manu and Cheeky and then yourself and David Maurice. And if you were to watch that, so many of the Bilbao defensive sequences on the first half, if I could show you the other four players and then just like pixelate out Pat to be unrecognizable. And you just had to guess who it was based on Illunion's like reads or like fumbled passes or general fear. You would come away from that being like, ah, that must be Lee Manning sat on Chem Jasinski's shoulders um, protecting yeah. the basket because Pat just seemed to erase everything in the first half he was like tipping interior passes away from Bill Latham. And I think Pincho like got him on a drive and sealed him under the basket and Pat just swatted it away from him anyway. It's like, what's going on here? Um I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's something that you need to say um on a wheelchair basketball podcast, but like having played with him for a couple of weeks now, yeah, Pat's pretty good at this. Um, <laughs> and we all knew this, but there's been a couple of things in the last couple of weeks that I've been like, oh wow. Okay. Right. But yeah. But yeah, that was obviously that lineup did the bulk of your heavy lifting. And then uh, there was a couple of stretches where you guys changed tact and went with Papi, Asia, Chema, the kind of bigs lineup. Um, basically, that either played even or didn't do a great deal for you. Um, it was the Pat and the mobile guys lineups that was your hope of carrying it for, but I think Illunion got smarter about hunting the mismatches as the, as the game went on, um, yes. especially as Terry heated up. And yeah, I think you guys have played them to a one-point game and a three-point game now, so it's certainly not like when you played them a couple of times early doors last year, and you, I think you played them four times and got crushed consecutively last year before you squeaked one out against them in the... Um, the Capital Ray. Yeah, so. we lost by twenty three times, lost by two once, and then <laughs> beat them in the the Copa del Rey semi by one. So yeah, I think I was talking to people about it, and obviously when you're up twenty against a team, you're like, hey, is this what it's meant to be? And then when they beat you in a quarter by twenty, you're you're like, oh, is this actually true and it's neither of them it's over 40 minutes it was a one point game and then over another 40 it was a three point game and it's like yeah it's probably closer to that but like a, a mini run doesn't encapsulate how the actual game is meant to go it's just there's a run either direction and then it comes out roughly even but so yeah the um the story from this one is that uh, Papi and Asia just played seven minutes each. You're obviously going to be without Pat for a little while now, so 
while it's maybe not ideal, you're giving yourselves a chance to get what's going to be a very important second lineup kind of back out there and get the wheels turning off the momentum of the end of last year. Um, and then hopefully by the time you guys are back to a full squad, you'll have at least two lineups firing on all cylinders. And yeah. I guess that's just the way to, to move forward from this. Yeah, and fingers hope, crossed. Um, you don't have to see Lunion again anytime soon. Yeah, thank God we have Grand Canary away this weekend, then Albacete at home the week after. But uh, right, should we move to Germany? Let's do it. Great, pack your bags. Right, first game is Vikal 54, Thuringen 68. So this was strange. Yeah. This was weird. I watched like half of this because there are some guys missing for Thuringen. There are some other guys who I've not seen before. Um, is it the case that Vikal is kind of a feeder club for Thuringen or have I gotten that wrong? Um, I think to a point, but they have certainly made some... They've made some additions this year. Um, you know, they've obviously just got bumped up to the top league in Germany this season, and they seem to be taking this opportunity very seriously. Um, Marek Veselowski, he's a Polish guy who I think was in Italy a couple of years ago. Um, very kind of underrated as far as I'm concerned. I think there's definitely bigger clubs that should have been taking a swing at him, but Good get for Zwickau. Um, Hannah Dodd and Stephen Elliott arrived at Zwickau via a bench units player agency. If anyone <laughs> ever needs us to um, point you in the right direction of clubs with vacancies. Um, cool to see them land there. Uh, so Zwickau have got a couple of guys who are mainstays who've been there a little while. Um, but yeah, Bulls were the real story. They're missing Lyndon, who I think, yeah, He's been there long enough. He does what he wants at this point. I imagine he'll show up at some point before um, Champions Cup quarterfinals. Um, they're missing Marie Kier as their other one, who I think may have been at the under-25 world. Um, and Grisaid. Grisaid's not there. Um, Jitska, I don't know if she's signed up this year. I don't know what a lot of the Dutch women are doing outside of the few who are uh, playing in the British League. Um, so yeah, throwing a bit thin on the ground. This was a one point game at halftime. Um, and I think you always give the benefit of the doubt to the stronger team being like, ah, they'll find it. Um, I think there's an element of that. They've obviously got a lot more ceiling to explore than Zvikau have, but yeah, I, I think it's generally always assumed that in a close game, the worst, the bet, better team isn't playing their best and the um, weaker team is always playing up to 100% at all times, which obviously is almost never the case, but yeah, yeah one one point game at halftime um, Thuringham then dropped two straight 20 point quarters um, to pull it away a little bit, but overall, I mean you're not going against a full strength Bulls team if you're Zvikau, but the Bulls have dropped a lot more than 68 points on better teams with less players available, I would say. Yeah, being promoted and not joining the 100 club is <laughs> is great. Um, yeah. Um, very little else for yeah. me here. Should we move on? Yeah, not a whole lot from this one, but excited to watch Vikao against somebody other than the elite couple of teams. Yeah, I, all right. Uh, Munsterland 69, Landil 76. Munsterland getting 69 is like just a fever dream of stupid things to say. Um, but 
<laughs> yeah, so this was a game. I was for... going to ask you if you, if that little chuckle as you read out Munsland 69 was deliberate, but I thought I'd take the high road and then you did it to yourself. No, um stupid. Uh it's been it's been a while since we've been able to talk about the wheelchair basketball theme park Munsterland. Um but yeah, so this was a game for longer than I thought it would be. Obviously, Landil were missing Rose Palomin. And they were also missing Katha Weiss, who was out in Thailand with the under-25s, uh, which I think takes out most of the lineups that I thought they were going to play all year. I think they were going to play one or two of them at all times, but not at all times, but I think that's the majority of what I thought they were going to go for. Um, and yeah, it took them a while to figure Munsterland out. Obviously, a good team. Uh, a massive team and I think that's one of the things where if you're kind of it looked like Landil were kind of figuring themselves out and each other out as much as Munsterland and I don't know if you make a if you make a little mistake against a team that's four bigs and the biggest female one five in the universe um, you're going to give up a layup like there's a lot of like Munsterland man outs and then one of the bigs just cuts to the basket because it's maybe not immediately apparent. I don't know if you're if you're in a man out and you get your head up and you're like, right, where am I going to? Where are we going to help from? You might just rank everyone in order of height in your in the other team instinctively, okay. unless you have a very specific plan. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They seemed a little out of sorts, and maybe it is just getting to know each other. And then offensively, it took them a minute as well. I think Landell looked their best offensively when they went man out and then they played really open like two two man games uh one on each wing respectively and it was a lot of like man out ball comes down one side of the floor as the guy in the man out cuts the help comes and they skipped it over and it was two on one weak side for a 15 footer and obviously landill play for space and mid-range catch and shoots a lot of the time and I don't know, I think the man out kind of got them going from there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They'll, they'll, they did figure it out. They won by seven. But I mean, I think they'll figure it out in the grand scheme of things when people are all back. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I thought Munsterland gave them a lot of trouble. And yeah, especially Tommy going for 30 certainly helped. Yeah, definitely. 30 on 50% shooting in a seven point win. You know, you're. You're a couple of made shots, and Tommy made some tough ones as well. You're a couple of made shots away from that being anyone's game with a handful of possessions left. Um, yeah, I thought Munsterland were well. Landil came out with the press, and Munsterland wrecked the press, um, which I was extremely surprised by. I they obviously the big news for Munsterland is they lost Matthias Bellas, who has been living in the Netherlands and commuting to play for them. So. They're predominantly an amateur club and they don't have anything like the resources to go out and sign a Matthias Bellas replacement. Um, I think you could argue he was probably their best or second best player last year. And you would think that his loss would be verging on catastrophic to them. But Jus Marinskov has been... Um, uh, Mosinkov, sorry. I don't know why I always try and make that sound as Russian as possible. Um, yeah, you would assume that that would be a step down, but he is another big guy who can get inside and finish. He's not the 
one-on-one threat or the offensive rebounding threat that Matthias is. But I think this was an interesting study in how Matthias might have been their best, but not necessarily most important player. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to think they're playing on the, like those guys are playing on the same team as the greatest player in the universe, Soren Miller. So, um, and yeah, I thought between him and Julian Lammering, who's obviously had some time with the German senior team this summer and looks to be coming on leaps and bounds. Um, I mean, he, he had like, real real defenders like Tommy Boma, um, you know, Quinton Zantinger or whatever, and he was taking those guys and dribbling round picks and stuff and getting to his spots on those guys. And yeah, that's um certainly what Munsland were lacking in the past where they could get a bit stodgy offensively. But I thought as well as that, probably what made the score so high in this one was between Ilsa on one side playing 40 minutes and Yannick playing 40 minutes on the other side, this was a clinic in Lowe's finishing dump downs um, oh, yeah. with the two smallest guys on the floor by a long way with <laughs> shot, you know, shot combined what 72% something like that um, and yeah other than that Mendel's first game for Landil um, kind of Matthias Mendel and Rayo having to swap around minutes because of the lineup issues Landil had but Mendel came in had 13 Pretty good start to his career. Thomas Klein is the other guy I wanted to talk to you about. We've spoke about it very briefly. But yeah. not you, only, you're a fan. Not only is it this guy picking Germany must have been a nightmare because if he has to tell anybody out and about in day-to-day life that his name is Thomas Klein, they're just going to assume he's German. And that's a tough gig for an Australian guy living in Germany. He probably has some German heritage to have that name. But um yeah. He came in, I've not really seen a lot of him. And I was trying to figure out in the early possessions, I was like, right, what does this guy bring? Because realistically, as a role player on a team like that, you only really need to know what the guy's strength is and what the team can do for him. And I was like, right, what's he bring? And the first handful of possessions were like cut inside, missed layup, furious offensive rebound. Um tipped a pass, chased it the length of the court, recovered it, fired it up to Tommy for a three. And then it was like, I think he came over and ripped a pass out of Soren Muller's hands. Maybe I was like, okay, what this guy brings is being here for it at all yeah, times. He, he's bringing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was zero from four in 16 minutes, but he was plus eight on the plus minus, which is the highest of anybody. Um, Hell yeah. And if you yeah. look at, Look at the fact they won that game by seven, man. It was, if you were telling me that this guy, if you told, I first off, I was very surprised Landil signed him because he had a near anonymous season with Mo last year where he was perfectly serviceable. And I assumed Yannick had given somebody at Landil the like, hey, you should check this guy out. And I was like, oh, that's a weird signing. It went on while the World Championships was in full swing. So I think it flew under the radar. If you'd have told me Thomas Klein's going to come in for Landil and change the game and help them secure a win over Munsterland to start the season, I'd have been like, this is complete and utter mayhem. But that's fitting because complete and utter mayhem is what it turns out he brings. So, yeah, yeah it, I, it, it unlocks them going four, three threes in a one or four and a half, three threes in a one, which I'm a fan of. And also, that's what Australia play. So <laughs> maybe it fits. But yeah, no, I. He's going to help them this year, obviously. I don't. I think the being anonymous in France is just the French league 
living in anonymity for us more than anything else. Agreed. Um, but yeah, all right. Should we should we move on? Should we should we pick up the pace? Let's do it. Right, cool. Uh, Trier Dolphins seventy six, Sky Wheeler sixty three, and in this week's uh, in, uh, installment of how many did Dirk have? Uh, he had forty one on fifty eight percent shooting. Oh my god! Um, so the second half of the stream was the only part of it that was available, I believe. Unless I'm just wrong, but I clicked onto it and it started in the second half. Um, yeah, um, pretty close in the first half. What were they up? Um, up one at halftime. Yeah, I think I think this was this is a weird one because Trier have now played a quite a few games. To say this is their first game of the season. They went to that friendly tournament in Julian over where. I didn't keep up with the official schedule, but it seemed like every team was playing three times a day. Um, and then taking day off to do olive oil tasting, <laughs> which is chaos. They were out there for 10 days and half of it was just like music and olive yeah. oil. I mean, Valid. I love it. Like if I had a week and a half at a friendly tournament, I'd want that. I'd want the whole experience, but just so strange. Yeah, it was weird. Um, yeah, dope with 41. Um Skywheelers have lost obviously their two key guys in Nico Drymuller and uh Katarina Lang. And yeah, I would have thought Skywheelers were gonna get crushed in this one, but they got double figures from four guys, both the Diedrich Bros, Marion Kind, and Christoph Spitz. And yeah, they were able to give Trier a tough enough game, but they just I mean, Nico Drymuller was their best source of shot creation last year, and he's a two, not the most mobile two-pointer in the world. And losing him, they just don't have anybody who could match the shot creation for self or otherwise of Dirk Passman. Um And yeah, Dirk had 41, which is the leading scorer in the game by a clear mile, but Trier also had the second leading scorer in the game with 16. Yeah, um, that's tough. If you, if you lose like one of the best twos in the world and who's also kind of the guy that makes everything happen and you're playing against just automatic offense, yeah. you're going to have some trouble. It's basically like, I think if you put pass one in like on the other side of this, the score flips is <laughs> basically like, I don't think that's much of a take, yeah. but that's, that's what I've got. Probably fair. But yeah, um, Tria pretty much the same group they had last year. Um, expect them to cause trouble in a handful of games. Skywheelers, it's going to be a long season. Um, but this was, I mean, I wouldn't have called them scoring 63 points against virtually anybody. So maybe all is not lost at this point. Um, maybe we're on some Ewing theory stuff and they're actually better without Nico Drangler and Katarina Lang, but I find that tough to believe. Yeah, I I doubt it. Um, right. All right, talking about Katarina Lang, uh, RBB Munich Iguanas. I'm going to say Munich, even though it's it's not that. But um, Iguanas, uh, 44, and of United, 82. Um, Lucas is going to listen to this and probably message me and be like, no, say it right. But um, nah. You want to call him Lucas Globner while you're at it? Yes, Lucas Globner. It's probably nice for him to be back in a country that will say his name right. But... <laughs> Yeah, um, this game was not available to watch, so very little to say about it. Also, newly promoted team losing by 40 to Increase. Hanover, who third best team in the league Increase. last year. 
What's that? Increasing mainstay of the league is the only real thing you could call Hanover in comparison to. Yeah, Hanover sort of clear as the third best team in the or third or fourth. So not that clear. There you go. Um, <laughs> and then they've signed um, CJ McCarthy Grogan, who yeah. started for them. Also, then being able to go um, CJ Sean Norris, Tobias Hell, Jan Sadler, Alex Buda is big and mobile and will give a lot of teams a lot of trouble this year, which is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I think Hanover, looking at their units, they can play. They're going to miss Mariska, but there is no team that would previously employ and now not employ Mariska who wouldn't miss her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Munich, you know, they're a little thin on talent because they're they're brand new. They've obviously brought back some of the local guys in Katarina Lang and Lucas Glosner, um, along with a couple of other guys who I think are kind of German league long timers, but not necessarily huge names. Um, what I will say for Munich is you look at the setup they've got and they're playing in the Audi Dome, I think, where Bayern Munich's basketball team play. And um, yeah, the it's obviously early days for them right now, but if they can stay up, man, they're yeah. not in a they're not in a dissimilar spot to what Hanover were in like five, six years ago, or even what Mercia were in like three years ago at this point. Um, yeah, if you kind of have the infrastructure to yeah. maintain and also sort of add and be smart with it and not be one of these teams that like comes up, signs a player without really checking if they're good to have around and then goes back down. Yeah, they could be solid and well put together. Well, they they will. And if they've got that infrastructure and the ability to stay up, I guarantee you there'll be people who want to play there. Like, For sure. It's a good, good setup by all accounts great place to live and everything like that uh oktoberfest has just been going on so if people want to get their bids into munich iguanas for next season get out there in time for oktoberfest but um yeah let's let's make it happen lucas yeah. lucas get on the phone um <laughs> i was gonna say i'll certainly um if they need anybody i'll certainly sign up for munich but they start two ones in their lineup so yeah probably fine yeah. Um, all right, right. Last, last one, one. cool the no, we want to play Kayakita less minutes bowl. Oh, wow. Uh, color 99ers 55, Ryan River Rhinos 71. Man, Ryan River Rhinos, um, obviously having to make a coaching change because Lucas, uh, Warburton left and ending up with Mikey Pay is best case scenario. Like, Lucas did a great job there last year and no, having man. to having to retool and ending up with Mikey Pay. And him also just starting and playing 30 minutes is great. That's what that's why you take over as coach. Um yeah, I think um it obviously broke news from Vsbaden broke slowly throughout the summer. So I think Nico Drymuller sorry, Mikey was their first announcement as player coach, Nico Drymuller yeah. a little bit later, and then Keokita was literally last week. Um yeah. he was obviously at Cologne last year and and he played 10 minutes in this game, which is a, a move up from about the six minutes per game that Cologne seemed to insist on playing him last year. At this point, I'm wondering if he just has it in his contract that he will play no more than like single figure minutes. Um, I doubt it, but I, I doubt it. But yeah, I thought Wiesbaden are missing. They also signed uh, Poisson Lai of the Canadian women who was at the under 25s. So they were missing the female one in their equation. 
Um, they're going to be, they were a little bit lineup hampered because of that, but not massively, but they've obviously got another tool in the box. And yeah, man, I thought they, Mikey being out there as kind of floor general, um, you know, literally coach on the floor, I thought was big for them. Um, and yeah, they strike me as having an awful lot more ceilings to tap into as it as the season wears on, and they're certainly going to push the likes of Hanover or do what they did and upset Landil last year. I don't know if, if that's in the cards again. But um, yeah, they brought back the majority of the core. Big game for Guy 7 with 22, Aaron Young with 12, 18 for Nico Drymuller, and yeah, super efficient shooting, man, 30 from 55. Yeah, I think the thing that impressed me about them offensively is like they came out and it was like Mikey in the middle, Jim screening for um, Aaron Young, Nico Drymuller, um, and Mackay's two man game, and like in the like throughout the the ten minutes of the first quarter, they had played every possible retooling of that apart from like Jim behind. Nico yeah. on the screen, like every yeah. every real rotation of that that you would want to play, they kind of fell into, which I love. Like I'm such a big fan of sort of moving around and versatility and moving your pieces around because I think there's too many teams that kind of play. Well, you two go over here and you two go over here, which is fine because it's predictable for you, but it's also predictable for the teams that are spending a week talking about how to stop you. So I think that's the thing that impresses me, and I don't know if it'll. I don't know if it'll be the same in their other lineups, but like in that five particularly, I was a big fan of that yeah. because they've got five guys that can finish off and they've got five guys that can shoot the ball. And yeah, I no, think that makes it. It's it's probably no surprise that a Team USA legend and Landil legend comes in and coaches the team and all of a sudden they're moving and exchanging and um, hard to predict. But yeah, big fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the Cologne side... Probably exposed a little bit of a Wiesbaden shortcoming in Bullet Kodal having 18 points on 9 of 13. Um, 18 points on 120% shooting if you watched the game and didn't look at the stats. Um, yeah, I thought um, I thought Wiesbaden are generally pretty well set up. The one thing they're not set up for, which was the case last year as well, is to battle with giant guys, which is obviously, you know, that's going to become a concern as they play the teams higher up the German standings. Um, you know, Landil with Rio and Gunther and then the two bigs at Thuringen and even a guy like Tommy McHugh at Hanover, you're going to have to find an antidote to getting thoroughly out-muscled. Um, you might, they might be able to press in yeah, sort of yeah. spots, I don't know. But... It's the first game of the season, so I don't think it's like alarm bells at this point. Um, yeah. Other than that, I thought the the three threes lineup for Cologne with Kodal and then Mustafa, Robin, and Tommy Gray, and then Matthias Heimbach is the one. I thought that was an interesting look. I think that's probably their best lineup, unless I'm missing anything. Um, I just hope they can find enough variation and enough shooting with that to be able to make it work consistently because. They've got the pieces to to push some of the middle tier teams. Um, yeah, they're just gonna yeah they're gonna have to f- max out everything they've got on their roster really because they're 
there's not a ton of upside to play with, but they've obviously got Mustafa and Robin as the ball handling duo have got enough reps that you would like to think they could figure something out between them. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, big V's bad and fun. Well, we just, I just have been, but yeah, because I like Jim mostly. But yeah, um, I think they're going to be pretty good this year. It'll be interesting to see how they develop. Um, should we do the belt quickly? I'm dying for a P, can you tell? Um, <laughs> should we do the belt quickly? Let's do it. Um, Take a it, long time thinking about it deliberately. It a retroactive um, last week and this week, Terry Bywater closing games, uh, or does Katie Danza now get a shout for having 34? Um, take this. Uh, maybe I'm incorrect in this, but I'm almost... Terry's greatness is so... Um, what's the word? I'm not just doing this because I know you need a people. You're taking it for granted almost. Yeah, Terry's brilliance is metronomic, isn't it? To the point where it's almost unimpressive outside of that three here over you, which will forever be my screensaver. Um, Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah, I'm tempted to go down now because I think this was a... We're obviously massive fans of hers, as we are of Terry, but I think in the wheelchair basketball circles, there was maybe a tiny bit of skepticism of, like, can she do this in Spain? Um, and it has been delightful to see that for at least one game she can. Yes. Uh, all right, cool, Terry. If you're listening to this, it wasn't it wasn't me. Um, uh, yeah, I should, I feel like after he made that shot, I should have got an actual physical belt made and just handed it to him. But anyway, right. Uh, is that us? That's us. We will be back probably next week, and then we're gonna ideally get back to the um round up every week guest every other week formula when we can uh all we need is for my little one to move out and leave me with some peace and quiet great well she's walking bits and pieces now so she's just nearly there i have a guest episode for you in, a, in just over 17 years yes all right <laughs> cool uh thanks very much for listening and we'll talk to you next week cool cheers guys Bye. Good.